Hello and welcome to the Culture Turbocharger. I'm your host, Kevin Wachtel. I'm president and founder of the W Group Consulting and I work with organizations to help them understand and measure their work culture and to develop specific and detailed action plans to make their culture more constructive. This unleashes the power of employees and turbocharges results. The topic for today is avoid saying or asking these six things during an interview. So probably like you, I get a daily feed of helpful tips and guidance that can improve my prospects in life through LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and also suggestions from my wife. I thought it was time to start consolidating all the wisdom I have accumulated over my life and 35 years in the workplace. So I'm starting with tips on how to avoid embarrassment during the interview process. I have interviewed several thousand people in my career and I've done hundreds of interviews while looking for my next opportunities. So here you have six key things to avoid saying or asking during an interview if you ever want to see or hear from that company again. Number one, are you going to eat that? If you are fortunate enough to have an interview done during a meal, it is not appropriate to eyeball food on the interviewer's plate. Much worse to ask if you can have some of their food and worse case to ask for their food in a doggy bag. This may indicate to the interviewer a lack of appropriate boundaries and social controls. Taking food from an interviewer's desk is also strictly forbidden. The multiplier of negativity is if you ordered an alcoholic beverage as well. Number two, nice outfit. Did you dress in the dark this morning? It is inappropriate to comment on the way people look, especially if it looks like they might have had a power failure at home early that morning. Number three, what do you people do here again? This can create the impression that your research in the company with which you are interviewing has not been detailed enough. Take a few minutes of preparation to at least remember the name of the company and have at least a vague idea of their products or services or whatever. Number four, before we start, how much vacation will I get? While this can indicate the orientation on planning ahead and envisioning success, it will most likely be perceived as presumptuous. This is in the same category as, when do I get my first raise? To which the proper response will be, when you are effective. Number five, would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses. This probably needs no further explanation. But which would you prefer? And finally, number six, why don't you tell me why you need me? This question may be met by the response, apparently we don't need you. I'm Kevin Wachtel. You can connect with me through my website, www.thewgroupconsulting.com Hello and welcome to the Culture Turbocharger. I'm your host, Kevin Wachtel. I'm president and founder of the W Group Consulting and I work with organizations to help them understand and measure their work culture and to develop specific and detailed action plans to make their culture more constructive. This unleashes the power of employees and turbocharges results. The topic today is the culture of Genchi Gunbutsu. One of the principles from the Toyota way that really resonated with me when I was running a manufacturing plant was the concept of Genchi Gunbutsu. 
There are several definitions and descriptions of what that term means. Go and see seems to be the most popular in literature, often with the actual place, actual things as an additional descriptor. Genchi is the actual place, the source of your genbutsu. Genbutsu is the actual thing, your product or the information you're looking at. The term feels somewhat like the legacy concept of management by walking or wandering around, which was coined in the 70s by Hewlett-Packard and referred to by Tom Peters and Robert Waterman in In Search of Excellence. It's an unstructured approach to being in the workplace instead of in the office, so more casual contact and observation can take place, impromptu conversations and observing the work happening. This was meant to create engagement and allow managers to see how work was really being done without filters. I was a big fan of this during my management career. I found that people could be afraid of my title and not confident to tell me what they really thought. They needed to see me in more informal situations to develop that trust. I worked hard to eliminate the notion that bad things would happen to people who told me what they really thought. I tried to prompt discussions by asking people what's not working or what can we make better and the topic of another blog post and uh, podcast is if I gave you a magic wand when you got to work tomorrow, what would you use to change it? What would you use it to change? I also looked for people who I called the cool kids, uh, also referred to as influencers. These were people that would really speak their mind and that you could talk to them about what you were working on and bounce ideas off them. And if they thought those were good, when those ideas came out, they would be supporters as opposed to, eh, you don't want to do that. That's not cool. And people would, um, would react negatively to it. The best definition that I found came from an internal 2001 Toyota Way pamphlet, which is go to the source to find the facts, to make correct decisions, build consensus, and achieve results at our best speed. I love this definition. This is brilliant. Another paraphrased version that I love is go see, ask why, show respect. Something that really doesn't happen enough in business these days. These are critical ideas that to this day do not get used enough in business. I found that I had to block time on my calendar so I could go to the source. Our receptionist did a great job of holding me accountable. Occasionally, she'd tell me, I'm hearing that you're not on the floor enough. That was my kindly reminder to get my hindquarters moving and talking to my associates. This is also why my culture engagements flow as qualitative, then quantitative, then qualitative again. I first have to go to the source, observe, do focus groups to understand what language is being used in managing the business. Are the mission and vision known, understood, and can they be used to facilitate decision-making on the floor? How are staff meetings conducted? Do they have agendas? Do they start on time? Do they end on time? Do they get rescheduled all the time? Shift turnovers, what kind of information is being shared? Is there a quick collaboration and then are people released back to do their jobs? And project planning sessions, how are those managed? Is all the direction coming from the front of the room or is there real collaboration? How are key performance indicators performing? Which do you want to change and to improve? The statistics are kind of uh, startling. I do a slide that I call the tug of work, and it really looks at if you had a tug of war team that had 10 people on it, that the typical company in the United States, only one in three employees are really engaged at work, and that's from a study by Blessing White. 
So that means you may be doing a tug of war against a team of 10 people and you only have three people pulling. Also, less than half of employees surveyed feel that they have a supportive culture. That's also kind of scary as well. That's from a study by Sharkey and Ecker. And then finally, um, only 21% feel strongly valued at work. And 51% of workers are looking to leave their current jobs. And that's by study by Gallup. So in my process, then we measure the quantitative piece using the best culture and climate tools in the business from human synergistics. What are the employees saying about the way they are expected to do things around the company? What should be expected of them? How are they doing? The analysis of this data is like getting an MRI done on your organization. We get incredible detail and focus on the areas in which we need to spend time and effort that are truly meaningful to unleash the potential of your team members. And that goes back to setting your operational target on what do you want to change and improve by focusing on making your culture more constructive. There's a time to communicate and build consensus on the most valuable targets uh, to be addressed to move your organization towards being more constructive. This is really a good root cause analysis. Finally, as the action plans are developed and worked, we work with those with a defined cadence of accountability, which is at our best speed based on Genchi Genbutsu. Plan the work and work the plan. Engage employees in how, communicate the why, and build trust that this is not another program of the month, that it's focused on sustained culture change. Extraordinary results will occur. I've seen it many times. My organization, who did this um, about 10 years ago, saw in one measure a 24% reduction in expenses as one key result. So if not now, when? If not you, who? If you want to get in contact with me, go to my website, www.thewgroupconsulting.com.